Well, welcome to another episode of On the Couch with myself, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. And today I'm once again joined by Dr. Francis Verdeen from Vulcan Energy. In January, we caught up with Francis talking about the year ahead for Vulcan Energy. And I have to say, it's been an interesting year in the true sense of the word for Vulcan. It's been a fantastic year in some senses, but also a few little uh, issues along the way, and I'm sure we'll touch on those. And I thought it would be a great idea to bookend the year in terms of On the Couch podcast with an update from the Vulcan Energy team, especially as uh, we've had in the last few days some really good news from them on Volkswagen and also today on another uh, really good announcement, which we'll get into. So, Francis, Great to have you on the show again, and uh, you've had a great year, I guess. Yeah, thanks, Henry. Well, great to see you again. Thanks very much for having me back on. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a great year. Um, very busy, as you said. We started off with our, our pre-feasibility study in January, which I think um, was a bit of a uh, sort of a re-rating opportunity for, for the company. That was when we first sort of spoke about the, the metrics of our zero-carbon lithium project in Germany, which is a combined um, renewable energy and battery lithium chemicals uh, project aiming to supply the electric vehicle market in Europe. So, so that sort of kicked things off. And since then, uh, we've had a couple of equity capital raises across the, the year. So one in February and one in September. So we've raised a total of 320 million uh, Australian. Um, so we're, we're well funded. And that means we, we've been able to move quickly on strategic opportunities along the way. Um, so we, we've acquired a couple of electric drill rigs. Uh, so repurposed from the oil and gas industry um, leveraging towards uh, renewable energy, geothermal, which is very important for us and our project development. And today, you know, we've just acquired, with some of the use of proceeds from our last raise, we've acquired our first operating renewable energy geothermal business. Um, so our first wells and plants uh, in Germany as well. Um, you know, we've executed a number of um, off-tech agreements with tier one European customers, the latest of which was was Volkswagen. So yeah, it's been a it's been a very busy year, and um, yeah, I think we're very pleased with how it's all panned out. So I, I guess, you know, in the last couple of days, we've had the Volkswagen deal, uh, which is a pretty impressive deal, and that follows on the back of, of Renault as well as uh, Stellantis as well in that offtake agreement. So can you just put a little bit more meat around the bones, perhaps, of the Volkswagen deal for those that haven't seen the announcement? Yeah, of course. So we've announced a, a binding uh, lithium offtake agreement with Volkswagen for the supply of lithium hydroxide, basically for the, the second half of uh, this decade. So we aim to enter into production um, from 2024 and sort of scaling up from there, 2025 and beyond. And this offtake agreement uh, is from 2026 um, for five years. Um, and uh, basically what this means is with this latest agreement. So we now have agreements, um, binding definitive agreements with um, Volkswagen, Renault Group, Stellantis, Umicore, which is a, a, a cathode producer in Europe, and actually has also just done a deal with Volkswagen. It was announced at the same time. So they're one of the main cathode suppliers for the batteries for the electric vehicles. And we've also got a binding term sheet with LG Energy Solution, which is one of the largest electric vehicle battery manufacturers in the world and also um, focused on manufacturing in Europe. So what this means is we're, we're now basically fully booked out for our production plans for the first um, five or six years, which is we're pretty happy with, um, obviously, given that we're we're still fairly early. I mean, we're, we're still, you know, a good sort of two and a half years away from from production of of uh, lithium chemicals. And this is this is really important because we essentially need to raise finance. We need to do project financing um, once we've finished our bankability study uh, later this year. And banks for lithium projects they want to see 
um, offtake agreements in place. They want to see that there's a customer uh, on the other end who's going to buy your product. And we have these, you know, tier one European automakers, um, European focused battery and cathode makers, uh, essentially all all booked out for our product. And I would say as well that we're basically three or four times sort of over oversubscribed, if you like, in terms of demand. So with active negotiations that um, are sort of still on foot. So we can certainly see a lot more demand there if we can grow to meet that demand. So we don't have a customer problem or a demand problem. Um, it's more of a, you know, how big can we make this? How far up can we can we, um, can we we scale up? So in terms of the money that you're going to need to raise, so you raised 320 odd million uh, this year, uh, which is, is not an inconsiderable amount of money and you're putting it to good use with the latest plant acquisition at Insime. So, you know, what sort of money, you know, obviously you're not going to have to raise that next year, but it's going to be, you know, an ongoing thing, I would imagine. What's the sort of capital requirement that it's going to take to uh, to get the project up and running in 2024? Well, I, I can only speak to our pre-feasibility study numbers, which are nearly a year old now. So um, right. for, for that, we, we had a phase one requirement of 0.7 billion euros and a phase two of 1.1 billion. So fairly big numbers. And those will likely change in our definitive feasibility study. Um, I'd say there is a potential for cost saving just based on you know efficiencies that we may find during the feasibility studies. We've um, got a pilot plant, which is um, operational producing data for these studies. And you know we're, we're learning more ways we can make this process more efficient. But um, on the other side, materials are getting more expensive with supply chains. We're definitely seeing that. So um, I'm, we're not sure what effect that's going to have. We may also make, um, so with this latest announcement, we do want to make our phase one and phase two bigger and perhaps even add further phases beyond that. So phase one uh, DFS may have a higher capex. So it, uh, obviously the uh, flip side of that is there should be higher revenue associated with it. And once we're in production, should be a very low um, operating cost indeed. Um, it's worth mentioning as well that um, with that capex, you're basically building out what's in the normal course of events would be three separate businesses. So a renewable energy business, which is a bit like an infrastructure asset for um, it can do heat and it can do power, depending on the location. A lithium extraction business, which is sort of analogous to a lithium mine, even though we're not mining, we're pumping um, brine out of the, the ground and a lithium processing business, so a chemical plant. And this is analogous to, for instance, the converters that you have in China. So reasonably large capex, but then we'll be fully integrated and we'll ha should have a very low operating cost across the um, uh, across the operation. Now, there was a, a couple of there's obviously the elephant in the room, which we'll get to as uh, as we have to at some stage. But um, recently I've seen that uh, Rio were having some issues in Serbia with thousands taking to the street on environmental concerns. They're obviously mining. Uh, they have a lithium mine project and yours, of course, is a different style, but uh, still environmental concerns, I would imagine, are at the forefront of, uh, I know you're certainly a, a big proponent of the environment. So, you know, as far as the environmental concerns go with the local population in Germany, how does that stand at the moment? Are these guys on board or is this going to be a sort of a softly, softly uh, approach that you need to take to get the locals on board? Sure. So, I mean, um, I, well, I'll start by saying that, uh, I mean, the very reason we formed the company was around I guess, an environmentalist idea. Um, uh, so, I mean, we started with the idea of wanting to produce zero carbon lithium, sort of, you know, knowing that um, lithium has quite a high carbon footprint and we're going to have this mass build out of lithium production in the world to um, feed these electric vehicles. And we, we wanted to do it differently and try and decarbonize the lithium supply chain. So 
you know, zero carbon lithium and uh, I guess an environmentalist goal is the entire, I mean, it's the core of what Balkan is, is about. And um, we're, I, th I think we're, we're sort of reflecting this in other ways and how we um, execute on the company. The, the environment always comes first. I, I think your mention of Rio Tinto is, is on point. Um, essentially, Europe needs a lot of battery raw materials, but for better or for worse, um, it is very hard to permit a battery raw materials mine in Europe. So typically lithium mines in particular are so-called open pits, you know, open cast mines, and they have a, a larger surface footprint. Europe's obviously generally densely populated, um, and uh, this causes uh, generally quite substantial opposition. So I think that sort of bears out what we've been saying, that Europe needs its own supply, but for better or for worse, doesn't really want to um, mine for it, um, generally. <laughs> so um, yeah, so um, but it, it, in, in terms of what we're doing, we're obviously not developing mines, we're developing renewable energy plants with a lithium extraction circuit attached to it. So it, in a way, it sort of indicates, I think, what we're doing. Um, now, in terms of local opposition, I think we've said since the beginning that, um, you know, geothermal, just like wind energy in, in Germany as well, has its opponents and some people don't like it. And we, we understand that. Um, and it, it, as you say, it's a case of just engaging with the local population, telling the story of what we're doing. Um, you know, we will be providing heat and power, renewable heat and power being part of that um, energy transition we will have a very small footprint and we're also producing lithium, which is going to go directly into the German automotive industry with obviously Opel and Stellantis and now Volkswagen as well. So there's a lot of benefits, I think, from all sides of, you know, politics and um, local communities um, as well. So we just have to tell that story and we are, I'm, I'm sure there'll be bumps in the road along the way. Um, uh, so it's, it, it's, but it's just a matter of, um, I think, consistently explaining that story and um, making sure as best we can that communities understand that are, and are on, you know, on side of, on, on, on our side. And um, also, I'd mentioned as well, um, uh, at a state level and a federal level, we're seeing really strong tailwinds. So and, and support. So in Baden-Württemberg, where we're operating, the Greens CDU coalition has um, put in their um, uh, in their coalition agreement that they support the extraction of lithium, sustainable extraction of lithium from the Upper Rhine and they support deep geothermal energy. So this is exactly what we're doing. At a federal government level as well, you know, um, uh, the target to produce 50% of heating from renewable sources by 2030. You need geothermal uh, to achieve that. So, uh, I think we're, um, we're well on point in terms of what the government is trying to do. And um, it, it, it's, it's, it's going to be a process with local community, but I'm confident we'll get there. Of course, we've just had a, a changing of the guard, really, in Germany as well, haven't we? We've had the, the mother, uh, Mutti, Merkel uh, leaving the scene and now we've got Schultz taking over is I mean that that looks a positive really from uh, from your perspective in terms of that green involvement with the new government is that how you see it yeah that's right I mean we've seen straight away with um, I mentioned on the the ambition for renewable heating um, uh, also uh, basically phasing out the fossil fuel vehicle um, which is a big deal for Germany you know um, it's such a such an iconic producer of um, uh, internal combustion engines you know, phasing this out effectively by 2035. So we already had targets from the UK and France and a lot of other countries in Europe now. Germany joins us as well. So yeah, I think it's um, it's it's definitely more more tailwinds behind what we're trying to do. You know, electrification of um, of mobility and uh, and renewable energy build out. Yeah, it, it is a massive change, isn't it, for the European car industry? And uh, I must admit, although my 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 head says EV, my heart says flat six. 
still <laughs> unfortunately you, but anyway have you have you uh have you driven the tesla no i haven't i haven't i i i must admit i would like to it um they do look astonishing in in some respects but um it's just so quiet. I, I'm not sure I can, <laughs> I can deal with the quietness. One of the joys of, of driving is is the um, is the noise. I know that's not a very politically correct thing to say, but it is the noise. I'm old school. It's just I'm uh, with you. I'm with you on that. But uh, it, it does um, driving an electric car does awaken the little kid inside you. Um, it is fun. Um, I think yeah. it's more fun than a petrol car in terms of just being so quick um, off yeah. the lights. So. Um, yeah, um, try it. It's, it's really good fun. I will, I will have to. Okay, that's that's my plan for 2022. I will uh, try an, an EV and see how we go. And those um, those pole stars look quite interesting. I have to say, they do. Yeah, there's well, uh, um, there's many different um, models obviously coming off the line now, and um, um, obviously V Dub's ID range is um, is pretty groundbreaking as well with their modular um, build out strategy. I'm I'm looking forward to the. Um, the VW um, uh, camper van as well, the new combi, which is going to be electric, which uh, looks looks pretty cool. Well, that'd be very cool, wouldn't it? Now, even so, you're, I mean, you're moving to the UK, my old uh, stomping ground, in the new year. So, you, you know, you might be able to get a combi and do the, the big European vacation and, and build it into work as well. That's right. Yeah, my, my parents did that actually in the seventies. So um, in a in a <laughs> so um, I'll have to do that in the electrified form as well. So, but yeah, mo- yeah. moving out to um, Moving out to Europe, um, so I'll be in the UK, but um, not so far away from Germany, and um, uh, basically aiming to be um, obviously closer to the asset. As you know, as, as things ramp up really now, um, we've got an operational renewable energy plant over there now, um, and it's all about just executing on building out further renewable energy operations and building out the lithium operation um, after the BFS and financing um, and building out the team as well. We're going to see massive growth in the team next year, so. I've really got to be closer to that, and so hence the hence the idea for moving over. Yeah, it's an interesting announcement that you made this morning with that acquisition of that renewable energy plant. Uh, so that puts you in in the game, I guess. So that puts you now as a producer, and I suspect some of the reason for that is that you can learn from that plant, so that you can put in place some of the the structures, I guess, from your own plant when it's built. Is that is that the case? Well, that's right. So I mean, so we announced today uh, two deals with existing plants. So. Um, We've acquired one geothermal renewable energy plant um, at Insime, as you mentioned, and we've made a brine offtake agreement with another geothermal um, renewable energy plant, which is five or six k's um, distant from Insime. And um, the the intention of this really is to secure, you know, existing lithium bearing brine coming out of the ground and and become a um, a renewable energy producer straight away. So as of first of January, we will be. Um, the uh, the latest um, renewable energy producer on the ASX. I think there's actually only two others that are sort of pure play, zero carbon um, renewables. And the aim is just to build out further capacity um, at Insime and, and at Landau as well, the other operation. Uh, so build out that geothermal capacity with a view to, you know, eventually potentially combining um, the operations in terms of uh, lithium uh, production from the brine. And that's really um, um, an add-on and, and somewhat de-risking effect on our phase one production because these wells already exist, they're already uh, producing, obviously, and we know the grades of the brine. Our pilot plant has been operating at Landau um, for about eight months now, so we know how the lithium extraction works. Um, so it's a de-risking strategy, it's a strategy to add on additional production, um, and obviously it's it's uh, complementary to our strategy to become a renewable energy producer. Your, uh, your ambition, I guess, for first production by 2024, so- some would say that's uh, a little bit aggressive. Is Landau part of that... Um, 
that plan that that sort of de-risks that that move to 2024 production and makes it somewhat easier to achieve? It is, yes. Yes, we, we've said, um, and we said this part of our last raise, that um, we wanted to acquire Brownfields assets as well. Um, phase one um, at the moment is is a Greenfields uh, project. So adding in some Brownfields, um, i.e. existing wells, existing operations into phase one is a, uh, a, a risk mitigating strategy, as well as a strategy to grow the production ambitions uh, for Phase now, I, I've been asked to ask you a question by someone who knows far more about this technically than I do. So I'll ask you the question and you see if you can um, answer it. Uh, one of our members who obviously has a, a deep knowledge of this uh, suggested that lithium wells don't need high flow versus geothermal for success. He asks, is there a level of which they can deal with via a closed loop or an alternative extraction, as this is the biggest unknown re-well flow? Is this... Just, uh, brine flow is a very key metric for us. So it it controls how much energy we can produce, renewable Mm. energy, and it controls how much lithium we can produce as well. So brine flow is a very key metric that we need to um, control as we build out further um, lithium extraction capacity and geothermal capacity. And we control that by um, applying the sort of industry best practice that we've used, uh, that, that the team has used um, over the years. So we, during the year as well, since we last spoke, we bought two uh, geothermal engineering businesses. So a subsurface development team and, a, and an above surface development team. And these guys have been developing geothermal projects in Germany and, and worldwide for, for many years now. So it's applying that knowledge and expertise using things like 3D seismic to get a picture of the subsurface targeting um, high flow rate zones, which are existing fault zones in the rock, um, and using sort of um, industry best practice to ensure that we get that, that flow rate. So flow rate is very important for us, um, if that sort of answer. I, I think it does. I think that's what he was getting at. Uh, now, now, Francis, I, I have to ask about the elephant in the room. And obviously, the, the short seller attack this year from JCAP is subject to some legal issues and legal cases ongoing. So clearly, you you can't talk much about that, but it is obviously hanging out there still. We, I guess in general terms, were you surprised that uh, someone would uh, attack you or is it just part of the, the game really in renewables and, and the sort of level of scepticism and, and inquiries in terms of uh, ambitious plans? Is this just part of it? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I can't really comment on that because um, of the ongoing legal case. So yeah. I, I won't comment on the specifics i say um to your general question yeah i think not so surprised that uh short attacks are happening uh against lithium companies we've seen that with other companies recently as well um uh, another one was standard lithium in the us which is mm. developing uh, lithium extraction over there um incidentally coke industries um invested 100 million us into standards um a week after the short short attack so that probably wasn't <laughs> wasn't very well timed. Um, but I, I think, you know, as the lithium industry gets bigger, um, it's suddenly popping up on the radar. Um, and it is, you know, it's increasing by orders of magnitude, really, um, uh, at, at the moment, um, in size as the demand for EVs goes up. So I think that's not, um, as a, in a general sense, not unusual, obviously, um, specifically, you know, if there's issues around um, comments being misleading or defamatory obviously we'll, we'll take a view on that um but um, as a general sense i think the, the, you know it's not unexpected for the industry no i i guess you know we, we've had we've seen lithium booms before i remember you know, two or three years ago i think it was back in sort of uh, 2018 think things started to get really really um pumped up 
with the lithium space. And then I think from memory, SQM came out and said, oh, you know what, we're going to pump our whole, whole load more and we're going to produce a lot more lithium. And it kind of killed it. There's so much going on at the moment in the lithium space, not notwithstanding yourselves, but, you know, from, from the likes of Pilbara, from even, uh, you know, Core Lithium here with the Finnis project in uh, near Darwin. Is there a danger that everyone's going to come to market at the same time and, and, and suddenly the demand that everyone's expecting is kind of swamped? Is that is that a danger with this new sort of white powder gold rush? I mean, I'm, I'm biased, but I don't think so. I, I think if you look at the industry analysts, I mean, w- when you look back at um, sort of 2015 to 2017, 2018, as you say, there was a sort of a, a mini boom in the lithium industry mm. that happened there. It was really the industry was still very much in its infancy. So little moves on production could really affect the price um, in a big way. And and they did. And it was actually, um, I'd say it was more the hard rock production that came out of Australia that affected the supply. Um, mm. It was switched on very quickly, very efficiently. That is what um, Australians are very good at doing. They're really good at starting mines very quickly and efficiently. And um, that, that happened. Um, and there was a brief uh, period um, of a couple of years when there was uh, oversupply in the market. But... Um, uh, essentially, that was when the lithium market and the EV market was 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 tiny in comparison to what it's becoming now. Now we're seeing demand, um, and if you take the automakers at their words uh, and the battery makers at their words, um, you know, just in Europe we're seeing over a million tons per annum of demands of lithium chemicals by 2030. That is not far away. I mean, essentially um, eight years away from that, and you know, it, it takes many years to get a project up and running. And then you have sort of ramp up issues, and and um, you know a lot of a lot of the time these projects uh, don't deliver on time as well. So you know a million tons of lithium chemicals per year just in Europe by 2030. The entire global supply now is 450,000 tons, yeah. um, most of which um, is controlled by China on the lithium hydroxide um, side. So you're talking about a, a market that's multiples of the entirety of global supply just in Europe. In the meantime, China's growing, North America's growing, South Korea, Japan. Um, everyone has their increasing lithium demand. And, you know, a large lithium chemicals project at the moment is about 40,000 tons. Um, so you're talking about dozens of projects that will need to be developed successfully with no ramp up um, issues just to supply the European market. So I, I, I don't really see it. Um, there may be sort of bumps along the way. I mean, the lithium price is pretty vertical at the moment. Um, uh, so, you know, things can't sort of go up forever, I suppose. Um, but um, we certainly see the market as being structurally undersupplied, um, certainly for the rest of the decade. It's, uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. And all the figures I've seen is massive uh, undersupply uh, going in. And we've seen it, you know, even recently in uh, the supply chains that we're seeing, even with urea at the moment. I mean, s- simple things which uh, seem to be causing serious problems. So here we are. It's, uh, we, we talked in January. And uh, it's been a big year for you guys, money raise and some really fantastic deals. We're going to talk now, obviously, this is now December. We're coming up to Christmas. Next Christmas, we should schedule in another little chat. How do you see 2022 panning out? What would you want to achieve in 2022? When we sit down here in uh, 2022, you're, you're, you're there in London and, uh, and uh, you know, enjoying the, the beautiful UK weather in, in December. What, what, what will you be saying to me then? Well, hopefully by then we will have executed some heat offtake agreements because um, we will be selling heat as well as power. Power in Germany, um, you can just sell into the grid. You don't need an offtake agreement and you get the feed-in tariff for geothermal. 
heats, you need bilateral offtake agreements. And we're in discussions at the moment with local utilities, local businesses. Um, we like heating because the effect um, is, is directly felt in the local community where we operate. So, um, so we expect to see movement on that. I think we're, um, we're likely to increase our level of sort of partnerships across these three main businesses that we're developing. So particularly on the chemical side, uh, so we're, we're looking at potentially uh, increasing uh, some sort of uh, JV or collaboration partnership on that downstream lithium chemicals refining you know, with existing chemical players um, in, in Europe, in Germany. So I hope to be able to say something on that. Of course, a big one will be the definitive or also known as the bankable feasibility study for our phase one. Um, so the plan is to um, execute on that in the second half of next year. And then thereafter, all going well, um, you know, financing our first our first project and BNP Paribas um, has been appointed to um, assist with that. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll have a fully sort of financed phase one uh, by then. We'll also have an operating demonstration plant, which is key to go live Q2 of next year. So hopefully I'll be able to um, have the uh, podcast interview from in front of a, um, a nice looking demo plant. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. We, we've got a pilot plant already, but this is um, this is sort of a much bigger, um, it's a one in 200 of the commercial first commercial plant. So, uh, so that will be good. And really the back end of next year as well, um, we intend to do first, first drilling of wells as well. So hopefully by that point, there will be um, some wells going into the ground from our in-house uh, drilling team, Vercana, which we've um, acquired these rigs for. Um, so um, yeah, hopefully the, the rigs will be turning for geothermal energy and lithium production. Sounds like you're going to have another busy year, Francis. I need to have a rest first. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do. You need to have a bit of a ho- I think we all need a bit of a holiday, actually. It's been a it's been a stressful year in, in some ways. Of course, you've been ensconced in WA, so uh, you've been operating normally throughout the whole time, I guess. Yeah, that's right. No, but look, definitely looking forward to Christmas. Um, and then we'll be... Um, uh, we'll be back into it uh, first thing in January. Fantastic. Francis, it's been an absolute delight once again to catch up with you. It's really exciting plan, I have to say, with, with Vulcan Energy. And you seem to be executing very well. There's obviously been some hiccups along the way, which uh, I think came out of the blue for some. But uh, I think it's good sometimes. It, it does tend to focus the mind. It keeps you honest as well, I think, sometimes. But uh, we'll, we'll see. But um, Francis, thank you very much once again for spending the time with us. I've really enjoyed it. And I look forward to sitting down next year and pulling a cracker with you and, and toasting uh, the success of Vulcan Energy in 2022. Thanks so much, Henry. Great to see you again, and thanks for having me on. My pleasure, mate. Good luck in the UK. Yes, thanks. <laughs>